Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word, uh, which is truth, uh, that there is no misinformation, there are no lies, uh, they are timeless truths that come from the God who is truth. Uh, and Lord, as we open up the book of Ruth uh, once again this morning, I ask for your spirit to teach us uh, that the truths that are held here uh, would be ones that we can apply to our lives today. Uh, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of those who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we began our our Christmas series uh, from the book of Ruth. And if you remember uh, last time, uh, we looked, took a look at chapter 1 in its entirety, uh, where we looked at hope being restored uh, because we began to learn a little bit about the characters that are in the book of Ruth. Uh, we've learned about Elimelech and his wife Naomi and uh, their two sons. Uh, and the fact that Elimelech, uh, in disobedience to God, uh, and because there was a famine in the land uh, of Israel, uh, instead of staying there where his people were and where his God uh, uh, is uh, and blessing uh, them, uh, he walked away to the land of Moab, moving his entire family uh, that long journey to a pagan nation. Uh, and as we took a look at the, uh, chapter 1, there was a, a bunch of, of hopeless set of circumstances uh, because uh, they were looking to get away from the famine, uh, 
which we learned was a direct result of Israel's disobedience before God because he said that if you obey me, then the land will bring forth. Uh, and if you disobey me or go to other gods, that he would take away that blessing. Uh, and so as we see this famine and uh, Elimelech's family leaving to go to a foreign land of Moab, what they were hoping was going to be the answer to their problems and the change of circumstances uh, uh, that was within their control to do uh, ended up actually following them there. Uh, and so they they end up finding out from uh, their time in Moab, which we found from the text is 10 years. During that time, Elimelech died and both his sons, leaving uh, a, a widow uh, of a husband uh, in the, the form of Naomi, but also because of her sons also passing away. Uh, and so there was a, a hopeless set of circumstances. And towards the end of chapter 1, we, we saw things turn around. Uh, because God had once again returned in blessing Israel, uh, and Naomi uh, had heard about it uh, from the, the fields of, ne- of Moab. Uh, and so they end up returning, uh, uh, both Na- Naomi but also her daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, whose the book is named after. And today, we're going to take a look at chapter 2 in its entirety, uh, as we see uh, after hope has been restored that peace is found. Uh, and I would like to begin our time this morning by uh, reminding you, uh, or maybe uh, for the very first time, bringing you into contact with one of the doctrines of the Word of God, uh, and that is the providence of God. Uh, as we take a look at uh, the book of Ruth, we can see the hand of God working in and through the lives of those characters that we find in this account. Uh, and we oftentimes refer to the providence of God as the invisible hand of God, that God is working in and through and around all the things that are happening on this uh, world at any given moment. Matter of fact, we, divine, we defined providence as the governance of God by which he, with wisdom and love, cares for and directs all things in the universe. And the thing is, is we we think about the providence of God and him working in and through all things. It works and coincides with God's sovereignty. Because the thing is, there's nothing that happens by chance. It's either by God's permission or it's by God's orchestrating. Um, God's will always is accomplished. uh, And there's nothing in all creation that happens by chance. Uh, That is terminology and words that man thinks when he takes God out of the picture. Uh, But the fact is, is God is working in and through everything. Uh, We can appeal to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this particular verse is for believers, and it's, it's a promise to them that anyone who loves God, which the only one who can love God is someone that God has loved. Uh, who has opened up their eyes to spiritual things, and they they have saving faith through Jesus Christ. Uh, And what he does is uh, gives uh, each one of us, uh, each son and daughter, the ability to love God. Uh, And it says here, uh, even those that are are called according to his purpose. So in other words, there are things that God has that he has purposed that are going to take part in each and every one of our lives. And depending upon who we are, what our upbringing is, where we are in life, and the choices that we make are going to direct and, you know, confirm what God already knows is going to happen. Uh, 
Uh, and the fact is, this verse tells us that God brings good out of all things. Even heartbreak, God brings good things. And that may seem a little bit strange. It may be a little bit hard to wrap your mind around that. But even the, the, the bad things, even the choices that we make that are against God in disobedience to him, God can t- still, in his power, in his sovereignty, in his glory, in his providential hand, you know, work out and uh, still accomplish all of his goodwill and all those good things that he has for us uh, as believers. Now, that good is not necessarily what I personally would define as good from time to time. Because we all have a definition of what good looks like. Well, good is when I get A, B, C, and D, and you can throw in E for good measure. Uh, the fact is, is that good is based off of God, the one who is the only one who is good. Uh, and so he brings that good in. And so even heartbreak, even discipline, when God brings back in love those who wander from him, that is still God's goodness. That is still God giving good because he disciplines the ones he loves. And so everything that God does has a purpose. Everything that God does is according to his holy, his just uh, will, uh, and that, that providence working in and through that invisible hand of God. And we have a, a real-life example as we take a look at the Old Testament in the life of Joseph. Uh, as you know, Joseph was uh, the, the favored son, uh, and his brothers didn't like that very much. Uh, and the fact is, is that his brothers didn't like it so much that they actually sold him into slavery. Uh, and then they ended up telling a lie to their father so that he believed that, that, uh, his favored son had been, uh, been killed, had been, uh, mauled. And basically, uh, from that point forward, Joseph ended up finding himself in times of uh, of, you know, distance, obviously, from being away from his family, being in and out of jail because he was falsely accused, uh, to raising and being raised into the second most powerful position uh, in all of uh, uh, Egypt at that point. And so God allowed Joseph's brothers the freedom to sin. But it doesn't mean that he just let them sin and that there was no interaction in relation to God, you know, working and moving in a particular way. And matter of fact, at the same time, he was providentially providing for Joseph's family. He was working in and through uh, their uh, sin uh, for his glory. And Joseph gives testimony to that. Uh, if you take a look uh, at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, as for you. Speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Well, wait a minute. How's that possible? All those things that Joseph had to bear up under, all those evil things, those intentions, those actions, and all the things that that were a result of, of Joseph's life to being turned completely inside out. He says, what you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. Well, he goes on to clarify, to bring it to about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So here we have a beautiful picture of of Joseph giving testimony even after the fact. Even after all the things that he went through, he saw the providential hand of God working in and through all of those details, bringing him to that point because God was through Joseph and through the sinful actions of his brothers going to, as the text says, 
that many people should be kept alive in a time of famine. And so we see a, a real-life Old Testament example of God's providential hand working. But see, we don't need to stop there because God providentially uh, worked in the life of Ruth and in the, in the account that we're reading here in the book of Ruth. And so let's begin by taking a look at chapter 2, and I'd just like to read the first three verses there. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So a couple things to note here, because we can see God's hand of providence working, because we know that it's not by mistake that Ruth ended up coming back with Naomi, that Ruth's heart uh, out of love and out of kindness for her mother-in-law, did not want her to be alone. And so the the Lord works through this, and uh, she ends up coming to the point where she goes out uh, in the fields uh, to the town that Naomi uh, was, uh, you know, born and raised in, uh, where there's a relative of hers uh, that uh, is part of their family. It may say relative in your text. It may say a kinsman of but this is where we're introduced to this whole concept of the kinsman redeemer. Uh, and a kinsman redeemer, uh, we'll take a look at in, um, uh, um, I think, next week, actually, in chapter 3, where we'll speak a little bit more to it. But in, in short, the kinsman redeemer had the opportunity to help a relative who was in difficult circumstances. Uh, and we'll look at some different texts to, to verify that. Uh, in the future, but the, the the point being is that Ruth is at this point in her life, and Naomi is back in her hometown where where everyone knew who Naomi was, uh, and is experiencing the blessing of the fact that there is a relative, a kinsman, who is going to have an opportunity to uh, show kindness and to work in a very providential way in both Ruth's life, but also Naomi's as well. You'll notice too in the text it says that he is a worthy man. Uh, now, the, the word worthy uh, is actually three Hebrew words, uh, and it, it actually can mean in its entirety a mighty man of wealth, of men, of virtue, of valor, or strength. And we're going to find from the account as we take a look at Boaz's life that he actually fits the bill in, in all these aspects because uh, he is a, a, a man who has men that work for him. Uh, he is a man who has wealth. Uh, he is a virtuous man, as we will see, uh, not only a little bit this week, but uh, for sure in the next couple of weeks, uh, that he is a man of, of valor and of strength. Uh, and this is by no mistake that there is a kinsman redeemer, someone who is worthy to be able to be that person. And as we even think about the fact of what time of year we are in, the whole concept of Jesus Christ coming, the one who is the worthy son of God, that is qualified to be able to redeem uh, is a beautiful picture that we can see, you know, uh, echoing out of our passage today. And the interesting thing I want you to note is the fact that Boaz remained in the land. 
He did not go to a foreign land. He did not sojourn somewhere else. He did not try to escape the, the uh, you know, consequences of the disobedience of his people and God bringing a famine on the land. He stayed there. And what did God do? God provided for him. And see, the thing is, is that sometimes we think we can get out of our, our circumstances by changing, you know, the parameters or changing the scene so that things can get, can get better when what we're doing is we're, we're denying and we're putting God into a box where we're saying, well, God, there's no way God could possibly bless me in, in all of this. And so therefore, I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, Boaz is living proof that God provided for him because, as it says, he was a mighty man. So God blessed him not only with people that worked for him and people that he provided work for, um, but he had the wealth to do it. So in a time of famine, he was able to continue to be blessed by God because God provided for him. Uh, and, and not even so much so in physical ways, but also in his character because he was a man of God because there was virtue, value, valor, and strength there as well. Well, the text goes on to say there in verse 3 that says, So she, speaking of Ruth, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now, this illustration, unless you've been in the situation that Ruth is in, you may not understand exactly what's going on here and what this whole uh, you know aspect of gleaning after reapers is, is there for. So you need to understand that actually God commanded the farmers in Israel to actually do something very special that would provide for those who were poor and sojourners, giving them something to glean after the harvest, after the reapers come through. So listen to what it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. This is the command. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your, your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. There's a reason why. And it finishes here in verse 10. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So God, in his wisdom, provided a way for those who were of less means to be able to have food to eat. But you notice that it's not just given to them. They actually have to go and glean it. They have to go and work for it. Uh, But God provided, you know, uh, providentially so that as the farmers were obedient to God's command, that there was food for those who were uh, not part of Israel that were sojourners or those who were part of Israel that were just poor. Uh, and so God provided for them. And the thing is, is amongst all of this, the, the thing that I don't want you to miss is the fact that Ruth, you know, chose to go out and to glean and to provide not only for herself, but for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And again, that shows that beautiful friendship, that beautiful love relationship that um, Ruth and Naomi had because Ruth set out to provide for both of them. And I like what it says there in verse 3 as well. And it's, it's, it's all the little words that, that pop out in the text. She happened to come. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Well, if we back up, is there anything in all of creation that happens by chance? No. Because our God is providentially working in and through everything. So when it says, she happened to come, 
This is a beautiful picture of the hand of God, the providential hand of God directing Ruth to actually happen to come on the field that belonged to Boaz. See, God was providentially guiding Ruth and was going to provide for her and for Naomi uh, out of the kindness of Boaz that we'll see here in the next few verses. Which brings us to verses 4 through 13. And I begin reading there in verse 4. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? And you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. A few things to highlight as we continue on here, because in these few verses here, Boaz's character is revealed to us, and it's a character of kindness as someone who has a character of virtue, uh, which will also come out in these verses. But I want you to notice in verse 4, first, that Boaz has a good relationship with his workers. Because you'll notice there uh, in, in verse 4, it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. So here we have, you know, the, the, the master talking to his servants, you know, pronouncing a blessing upon them. The Lord be with you. The thing is that the the workers in the field didn't just come with some type of retort or just smirk or, you know, uh, snark at his comment. Notice how they answered. It says, and they answered, the Lord bless you. And so we see a, a beautiful um, relationship here between the, the owner and his workers. Uh, and so I think it, it does reveal the kindness of Boaz even to those who are his workers. Uh, and he had a good relationship with him because they b- both reciprocated a pronouncement of blessing upon one another. And then you'll notice in verse 5, he says, whose young woman is this? And so Boaz is, is you know, looking at all the uh, um, gleaners who are walking through the field 
uh, you know, after he, you know, has left the corners and, and been obedient to the Lord and, and leaving those things for the poor and for the sojourner, the fact is, is that even Boaz knows who the gleaners are. And he doesn't recognize Ruth because he hasn't met Ruth up to this point. And so he says, who's this young woman? And notice what the, the uh, person who's in charge of the, the workers says. He says, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And so this all of a sudden gives context to something that, that Boaz uh, had no connected knowledge of. But as we'll find as the text progresses, he actually does know about Ruth. Now he has a face to go with all of what he knows in full, as the text says. And you'll notice the kindness that Ruth also shows and the respect and the, the gentle spirit where she says in verse 7, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. Now, again, this does show a point in which she really doesn't understand the the custom, uh, the command of God to the farmers to be able to glean uh, because God's providing for them. She takes it a step further and actually ends up um, putting forth uh, a, uh, a request. Please let me glean. She doesn't come in there presumptuously. She doesn't come in there and say, well, I've heard that I'm, I'm able to do this, and so I'm going to go ahead and do it. No, we, we see the character of Ruth also coming out because she asked permission. She didn't want to assume anything. Uh, she wanted to make sure that what she was doing was right. And again, remember, you know, just because, you know, she they were in fields in Moab does not mean that the way they do it in Moab is the same way they do it in Israel. And so she was, you know, uh, giving forth as one who needed to make sure that everything was above board. And then verses 8 and 9, we see the ki- the kindness of Boaz to Ruth. Uh, and uh, whether you picked up on that or not, but verses 8 and 9 actually give us three different things that Boaz does to show kindness towards Ruth. Uh, and this is something that uh, uh, is special for her because he does recognize who she is, and of course, we'll give a little bit more context to know that he knows who she is based off of what she's done for Naomi. But there's three things there in verses 8 and 9 that he, he provides for her out of kindness. One is company, because he tells her to, to make sure that she uh, goes with the women that are gleaning in his fields, to stick with them because, you know, they know where to glean, and there's, there's, there's company there so that you're not all by yourself, because I know that you're a widow. Even though he doesn't come out and say it, he does know at this point. Because, again, he's been given a face with the the uh, the name and the information that he had prior. He also offers her protection because you'll notice there that he uh, mentions that against the young men in the field, uh, he is, is said, you know, uh, made sure that they won't take advantage of her. Now, whether or not this is an appeal to her beauty or whatever it is or the fact that she's foreign, uh, from the land of Moab, we, we don't know. But the fact is, is that it was of a concern enough for Boaz to look out for her. And I think it shows um, his virtue as well as his valor uh, for a, a young woman to to make sure that she's taken care of. And so he, he warns his young men to not take advantage of her. Uh, and, and third, he gives her drink. Uh, because this would not have been easy work. This would have been uh, long hours uh, for uh, really as one individual trying to gather grain even from the gleanings, knowing that there's more women gleaning as well. 
that uh, she would get thirsty. And so he provides for her, saying that when the young men get their drink, you drink with them as well. And so we see this kindness, you know, coming forth uh, from Boaz to Ruth. And, you know, if you know the rest of the story, you may say, well, this is, you know, the beginnings of the, the love that's going to be reciprocated. Well, you, you can make that argument, but too, I think this is coming out of who Boaz is. Uh, he is an honorable, upright, worthy man, a mighty man, uh, as it says here in the Hebrew. Uh, and so we see that working out as he, uh, you know, shows his kindness towards Ruth. And then, you know, we transition to what is really just an obvious question on Ruth's part. Um, her reaction is one that we, we, we don't quite, you know, understand fully, but she, she fell on her face. She is, in, you know, feeling as though, uh, she has been shown favor, uh, when she, uh, is, uh, humbly bowing down to the ground. And she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should notice me since I am a foreigner. So here we have Ruth, you know, speaking out, uh, and, you know, asking the obvious question. Why are you singling me out? You know, why, why are you even noticing me? Why are you giving this kindness to me? You know, as if I, I really don't deserve this. I, I'm not even one of your people officially. I'm, I'm a Moabite. I'm not an Israelite. Well, I think it does speak to, to some of the character of, um, Boaz as well, because we read in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, uh, in relation to what the Lord does uh, in taking care of those who are foreigners uh, in, in other lands. It says in verse 17, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. So here we have a, a beautiful picture of the one true God. It says in verse 18 that he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Verse 19, love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So here's a, you know, a, a, a plea from the Lord as in a command of one who executes justice, who says, you know what? I care for the sojourner. And you need to understand that there was one time when you were sojourners in a land that was not yours. And so God makes sure that as the children of Israel uh, find themselves where they are, that they are, do not take for granted God's blessing uh, and, and don't take for granted the fact that they should share that blessing. So whether or not he's, he's doing it out of that, which you know, I could make an argument for because he is that mighty man of, of valor and strength and would do the right thing and would know what the right thing is to do because not only is he leaving stuff for gleaning, uh, but also would know uh, that he should, you know, take care of the sojourner uh, because uh, his people were once sojourners uh, in the land of Egypt. And the fact is, he says, I know all about what you've done for Naomi. Again, this kind of gives, uh, you know, uh, credence to the whole small town atmosphere uh, because Boaz is in the know. He knew everything that uh, Ruth had done, matter of fact, the text says, since the death of your husband it has been fully told to me and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And so we see Boaz, you know, uh, reaching out in kindness uh, and even to the point 
of um, speaking some very encouraging words. If you take a look at verse 12, because he knows what Ruth has done on Naomi's behalf, he says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So here is Boaz recognizing that Ruth has basically, you know, unplanted herself from the people she knows, the culture she knows, the land she knows, uh, the God that she served at that point, uh, and and transporting herself into uh, the, the nation of Israel, something that would have been not familiar, but yet he says, um, you know, that the Lord would bless her under uh, whose wing you have come to take refuge, the God of Israel, the Lord. And so here, here he is giving testimony to the fact of how precious um, the steadfast love of the Lord is and that the children of men uh, take refuge in the shadow of your wings, as it tells us in, in Psalm 36, 7. She's coming to the right place. And, and Boaz knows how blessed he is in his relationship with God and therefore knows that God will watch over and 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 keep Ruth as well. And what does Ruth do in verse 13? Well, the long and short of it is she says, thank you. Notice what it says. It says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So she recognizes her situation, but she also recognizes the fact that she has found favor in the eyes of Boaz. And he is, you know, through these encouraging words, you know, lifting her up and actually providing what I would consider peace uh, and tranquility in a season of turmoil uh, and, and and going from one place to another. Uh, and if you've ever moved from one place to another, you know, even from one house to another in the same state, or if you've moved from one state to another, you know the upheaval and the turmoil that can happen as a result of something like that. And all of a sudden, now Boaz is, is bringing structure back into Ruth's life uh, and, and bringing blessing as well and kindness, a kindness that she realized she does not deserve, but yet nonetheless, she is the recipient of because Boaz is showing that kindness to her. And then finally, verses 14 through 23, because this is where peace is found and a praise is given. So picking up our text in verse 14, it says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed uh, to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaths and do not approach her. And also... Pull out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephath of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, uh, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. 
And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the, this, or the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth and the Moabite, and Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until I have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So we still see here in the text as Boaz continues to show kindness to Ruth because he is bringing some much-needed peace in her life. And you'll notice in verse 14 that he invites her to an actual mealtime uh, and, and gave her a meal where she not only ate, but she ate until she was satisfied and she still had much left over, uh, which as we, we, we uh, saw from the text that she ends up sharing with her mother-in-law, Naomi. But then he also takes it a step further because in verses 15 and 16, after sharing a meal with her, he goes and instructs his servants to not only let her glean from the sheaves, you know, what was, you know, left down on the ground, but also to pull from the bundles. So everything that had been harvested up, stood up and bound together to be taken to the threshing floor for processing. He says, even pull some of that out and, and, and give it to her so that she can glean from those as well. And as we see from the text, Ruth ends up finishing out her day, returning to, to Naomi. Uh, and we see this beautiful dialogue between uh, mother, uh, a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. Uh, and we notice, too, from the text that she had a very full day. Because you remember back to verse 7, she began uh, early in the morning. And verse 17 says she worked until evening. Uh, and so not only did she glean, but she also took uh, everything to the threshing floor so that they could be beaten out so that she could pick up the grain itself and not take home even the the bundles or whatever she would bundle up because it, it would be way too much weight because even what she ended up gleaning uh, and beating out of the usable barley was what it says there an ethath of barley which is about three-fifths of a bushel so she worked hard uh, and and she was blessed by Boaz so both of these things going together on, on top of the fact that he feeds her a meal gives her enough food not only just to you know wet her appetite or to give her you know uh, a relief from any hunger pain she may have uh, as a poor widow who's gleaning in order to provide, not only for herself, but for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Uh, he gives her enough that she's satisfied. I think it's interesting that the text mentions being satisfied twice. Because she didn't just eat. She ate until she was satisfied. And after she was satisfied, there was still food left for her to take home to her mother-in-law. And again, that shows the kindness of Boaz because he knows that she's going home. He knows why she's there. He knows the sacrifice that she's making. And Boaz is, is within his power to do kindness to her. He, he seizes that opportunity uh, and, and, and blesses her in a very special way, even after saying, let the Lord repay you for what you've done. You know, Boaz saw himself as the, the avenue through which God was going to bless uh, Ruth in a very special way. 
to see God's providential hand through the blessings of God on Boaz and not leaving the land during the famine, but instead God providing for him. He was going to also provide through him for his kinsmen. And as we'll see in the text as it continues, that he'll have the opportunity to be the kinsman redeemer for Ruth herself. Well, verses 19 through 23 close out uh, chapter 2. And the thing I want you to notice here in this these last few words of, of chapter 2, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law in verse 20, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Is this the same Naomi that at the end of chapter 1 said that she was lamenting that the Almighty had dealt very bitterly and brought this calamity upon her? Is this the same woman that now all of a sudden is saying, you know, blessed, uh, or may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead? Yes, this is the same woman because God is working in her heart. He is bringing her from the point of bitterness and focusing on all this calamity for her to see God's providential hand working through someone that she knows, as the text says, is one of our redeemers. To be able to see God's hand working in a very powerful way. And I got to ask the question too, whose kindness is she speaking of? Is it Boaz because he's the one who gave or is it the Lord? Or is it both? Well, I would like to, to put forth that I believe it's both. Because I think God is working in Naomi's heart to soften it for her to realize that she is coming back to what she knew before leaving in disobedience to go to the land of Moab. But she can see that God is working through all of this to bring in someone who is a potential redeemer to give, you know, through Boaz, the husband that... Ruth desperately needs. There's someone that would take care of her. So as we think about the relative, the kinsman, as we think about the peace that we found through the Lord Jesus Christ, the peace that he has given us so that we are no longer at war, no longer enemies with God because of our sin before him, but are those who experience what the Prince of Peace, God's Son, can only bring. I think that this this section here of, of Ruth also gives us the ability to see that just as God is providing through Boaz to be a, a, a channel of peace and blessing to Ruth and Naomi, that it's a, it's a picture, a shadow of what was yet to come as God would offer forth his son, who is the Prince of Peace, to not free us from, you know, the... the uh, the things that Ruth was experiencing firsthand and being a widow and being without someone to provide for her. Uh, but think about what Christ has provided for us, that he took our place, that he made it so that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so it's a beautiful picture of, of you know, what God did through Boaz, uh, I think is a, a foreshadow of what, what God would do through his son, Jesus Christ, in providing the kinsman redeemer. Because Jesus took on human flesh. He dwelt among us. So, as it were, he became one of us. Like a kinsman. And so, as we think about this time of year, and we can think about all of the things that can rob us of peace. And we're not talking just silence. We're talking about an an inward recognition and knowledge of the fact that God has made us right through his son, Jesus Christ. 
that even if the world is falling apart, we have a solid rock foundation that we learned about. And those who build upon that foundation are wise men, not foolish men. And so may the peace that was found for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz be just a drop in the bucket in relation to the peace that you found through the Lord Jesus Christ before God the Father, as we remember Christ coming as Emmanuel, God with us, the one that we sung, you know, prepare for him, prepare for his coming, because he is the very Son of God, the one who can redeem us from sin. Let's close with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminders of Ruth chapter 2. We thank you for the peace in a world of turmoil uh, that Boaz was able to bring uh, as a a man who was uh, a mighty man, a worthy man of valor and strength and virtue. Uh, And Lord, we we do thank you for the way in which uh, he was obedient to you uh, and the way in which he showed uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit being that of kindness uh, towards uh, even someone who was not one of his people. Uh, and Lord, that is a testimony to us to realize that we should be kind to everyone, no matter if they are believers in Jesus Christ or not. Uh, and may we be those that are ambassadors and bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ, which brings peace with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.